So a lease option is basically you are giving your tenant, and we call them tenant buyers, the right to buy the house in a specified period of time. So at the beginning of the lease option, you say, um, you know, you have the right to buy this house from us at let's say $100,000 within the next two years. And during that two year period, you're also gonna, you're also gonna rent from us. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate. From Los Angeles, I'm Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, as you know, it is my job to interview the cream of the crop and the real estate industry leaders here in the United States about investing for cash flow. I tease out the best practices for the best investment strategies to invest for cash flow. That's what I do here in the United States. And the reason I do it is to educate. I want everyone to be educated on the benefits of investing for cash flow to help create long-term wealth and financial freedom. If you do like this show, please give us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud or Stitcher. We are across all the platforms and you can also follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching Reed Goosens, which is R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S. Now, if you do like this show and you do go jump on iTunes and leave the show a five-star review in return, I will definitely be sending you my brand spanking new ebook, which is The Art and Science of Raising Capital Like a Pro, The 4P Rule. And it is the step-by-step guide for newbies out there who want to start taking their investing career seriously. They want to start creating a lot more or closing a lot more deals. They want to start you know, raising a bunch of capital and they need to start changing their mindset. Well, this book will help you give you the tools to change that mindset and start taking massive amounts of action to buy and close on more deals. So as I said, if you do like this show, jump on iTunes, uh, leave the show a five-star review, then send me a screenshot of that review at uh, to info, that's I-N-F-O, at rsnpropertygroup.com. On today's show, we, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jimmy Vreedland from Joint Op Properties about the benefits of creating cash flow through lease options on single-family residences. But before we do dive into that, I do have one last um, bit of housekeeping things, which I am, you know, I've launched a, a mentorship group here in 2017, which is, you know, incredible. I have, you know, start, a lot of people have reached out to me and said that they want to take their investing career to the next level. They wanted to work with me on a one-on-one basis. So I I decided to create this platform uh, of education, uh, which is uh, you know a mentorship program, and it is to walk the my mentees through the you know A to Z to buying their first multifamily apartment community here in the United States. I walk through. The- how to start looking and analyzing the deal. What sort of bet? What are the markets you need to be investing in? Given where we are in 2017, uh, you know how is the interest rates going to affect us uh, in terms of lending? I walk you through all the closing benefits or how you make sure you you know you do the best practices to uh, go and make sure that you actually buying a cracking deal. I also talk to you guys about how to start the best team on the ground, particularly if you're investing out of state, because that's a really, really important part, piece of the puzzle when you are an out of state investor. I also walk you through how you obtain financing, which can be very, very tough, um, not only just in this lending environment here in 2017, but also in terms of just how to qualify for, for financing on large multifamily. 
But the most important thing I walk people through is how to start raising capital successfully because the point of raising capital is that you are a business and your personal brand is so important to you. So if you are interested in you know joining my mentorship program, there's only a few limited spots that I'm taking you know left in the program because I'm only taking on a certain amount of people uh, just given how busy I am in my everyday life with, my, with RSM Property Group. So if you are interested, please hit me up. But again, at info, that's I-N-F-O at rsmpropertygroup.com. And in the subject line, put interested in mentorship program. All right, guys, as I said, you can always follow me on Facebook and Twitter and leave any comments to this show, either on iTunes, on my website at rsmpropertygroup slash podcast, or you can leave uh, comments for me on my Facebook, my Facebook page, which is uh, RSM Property Group. All right, guys, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jimmy Vridlin and Bob Scott from Joint Op Properties. Joint Op Properties is the brainchild of these two guys, both former military officers in the US Military Academy, I take it. And in 2014, Jimmy and Bob partnered up to create Joint Op Properties and capitalize on the unique opportunities in the US real estate market. With decades of experience behind them and an emphasis on the St. Louis market, Joint Op Properties has been able to secure over 100 distress properties, often at 30 to 40 cents on the dollar, resulting in day one equity for their investors. Joint Op Properties currently focus on single family homes and tenants seeking to lease their own, uh, resulting in tenants buying with more skin in the game as opposed to the traditional tenant with long-term interest in the home. But let's get them out here. G'day guys, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Great, how are you doing Reed? Very, very well. Thanks, guys. I wanted to thank you for joining me on today. I know you're both uh, dialing in from St. Louis. What's the uh, weather like over there right now? Cold? Actually, really nice. <laughs> it is? Yeah, spring, yeah spring, we're going to get a sprung. Yeah, we're going to get like 75 degrees today. Nice, nice. So 75 degrees, shirts shirts and shorts on, right? Flip-flops on, barbecue out, right? We get No ready. sleeves. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Wearing a cutoff today. <laughs> Trucker hat, I love it. Love all that stuff. Guys, before we dive into today's show, do you want to elaborate a little bit more on your background? I mentioned briefly that you both met in the military. Um, but what was, you know, what was talk to us about the mindset change moving into real estate, leaving the military behind, and and a little bit more on your background. I mean, I think the way the military has helped me the most is you learn how to be comfortable with being very uncomfortable. So especially when we were really starting out and trying to figure it out, it wasn't that shocking to me to be in this high risk situation. It's like, we'll figure it out, we'll get it done. Yeah, and also how to like compartmentalize things and just live in the chaos and thrive in the chaos of, of a new business. Right, I can I could imagine that the... The military. I've never, I've never been in the military, but uh, from what I've read and seen on TV, it's the, it's a very high intense situation, and having, you know, the ability to make a decision quickly uh, under pressure um, would, would 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 only transfer or transfer into uh, creating a business very successfully because that's what business is about. You know, uh, analyzing the risks, making a decision quickly, and then executing on that. Right. Yeah, I mean, my inner monologue was like, you know, you could go broke and your credit will be ruined and your whole life will be ruined. And it's like, ah, it's not that big a deal. It's not like getting shot at. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, boys, tell me a little bit more about um, your military background and, and how long were you in the, in the service for? And what did, did there come a point that you just, you know, there was time to move on and create a life for you and your family? Yeah, um, I was a, a forward observer for a, a range battalion. So I went overseas three times. 
And I actually read Rich Dad Poor Dad on like my second deployment. And it just, you know, Kiyosaki was in Vietnam. So I saw like a lot of similarities and I was just like, I, I need to try this real estate thing. Yeah. And for me, I was a, a civil engineer in the Air Force doing um, construction management, project management. So I have a lot of background being um, around the, the construction side of the business and um, kind of had had the same epiphany. That's one of the, the reasons Jimmy and I hit it off is, is we both really love Rich Dad Poor Dad um, with its focus on, on cash flow and, and the mindset of being a business owner or an investor. And for me, the, I think that the wake up call was um, getting down to, to my first assignment and and uh, being around some of the engineers and seeing kind of how 20 or 30 years in that profession uh, was going to end up. And, and it and it ended up looking like just kind of sitting in a cubicle for the rest of my life. And, and I was like, all right, <laughs> it doesn't sound like much fun. So let me, let me try something else. And after five years, like I was really sick of taking orders. So <laughs> being an entrepreneur was like, oh, wow, this looks cool. I don't have to take orders. <laughs> well, Bob, just um, I'm actually a civil engineer as well. That's my, that's my oh. background. Um, I, I trained, I was in, obviously went to university in, in Queensland in Australia. And uh, yeah, I had the same, exactly the same mindset. I thought <laughs> I cannot be sitting in this cubicle for the next 40 years of my life, you know, just crunching numbers you know I, I i remember saying to myself one day i was, I was doing like a uh, some math calculation on the connection of like i don't know uh, uh some column and and the, net, the amount of bolts in a connection i was like i don't care how many bolts are in this <laughs> connection i want to know how much they're going to rent this place for and how what's the owner getting out of this out of this deal <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. man it was yeah uh, look trust me i've had you must be what the seventh or eighth former engineer on this show. Uh, there's so many engineers in, in real estate investing. I think everyone just gets to the end of their tether and says, there's got to be more to life than crunching numbers and Excel, Excel, uh, you know, junkie, monkey or junkie, whatever yeah, you want to talk about. Yeah. Realize like, yeah, you can put your brain to a little bit better use. Exactly. Exactly. So guys, you know, we wanted to talk about a little bit about lease options because that's what you guys do. And then we'll dive into to some, you know, best practices of, of managing turnkey properties. So for all those people out there who are listening to the show, what is a lease option and how would you create cash flow through that lease option? So a lease option is basically you are giving your tenant, and we call them tenant buyers, the right to buy the house in a specified period of time. So at the beginning of the lease option, you say, um, you know, you have the right to buy this house from us at, let's say, $100,000 within the next two years. And during that two-year period, you're also going to you're also going to rent from us. So it's just like a regular lease, but you're also combining a sales contract option on top of that. And the major benefit uh, for us as the landlord is we're getting a much higher quality tenant. We have somebody who has an ownership mentality. They want to buy. Um, they understand the benefits of all that. And then they also have skin in the game in the form of a non-refundable option deposit that they put down up front when they move into the home. And that's typically anywhere between three to five percent of the value of the house. Um, so they have a lot more commitment than a regular tenant. For most of our properties in the neighborhoods we're in, um, we typically get anywhere between three to five thousand dollars upfront, where a typical landlord is, is probably only going to get um, nine hundred dollars upfront as a security deposit. So just doing that alone, um, you're weeding out a lot of the professional tenants. 
um, and the people who are going to tear up the property because they, they really don't have you know much skin in the game. So um, that, number one, is, is a great benefit. And, and that money, is it's non-refundable. It's not like security deposit. So it goes, it goes straight to the bottom line, um, right into your pocket. And then during the lease, the tenant buyer is also responsible for all the ongoing repairs and maintenance. Um, and that is obviously great for cash flow, uh, but it's also great on the management side of things because you, you don't have to manage that phone call, um, you know, say, hey, whatever, there's an issue with a the toilet. Then you've got to call the handyman, coordinate him to get out there to meet the tenant and all that back and forth, um, which is just a huge time cost as well. And, you you know, you pay that maintenance guy hourly to flirt with the the girl at the pro desk at Home Depot and that those dollars start to really add up. <laughs> no, I, that's, that's incredible. I got so many questions out of that because I think in terms of a strategy, people don't think of it, you know, it's a great way to get what I would look at to get involved from, you know, you maybe there's a lot of people out there listening who say, how can I get involved in real estate? I feel like lease options in the single family space is a great way to get started in, for cash flow. Would, would, is that correct? I, when you are a newbie or you just read Rich Dad Poor Dad and you're excited to go, no one can articulate the brain damage that maintenance and management will cause you. So that is, I mean, it's an, inf- this isn't our term. This is Mitch Stevens, uh, one of our mentors, but it's an infinite liability. Yep, I completely agree. And and so just rewinding just a little bit back onto the lease options because I want to break it down for those people out there who, you know, the three of us, we've, we've dealt with real estate for a long time, but I like breaking it down for those listeners. So I have a, you guys find a house and, and let's talk about that process for a little bit. Is that, so when you're finding a house, what you know? What are you looking for? Are you looking for? I, I mentioned in the, in the introduction, like cents on the dollar. So, uh, one, are there still those types of properties out there? Um, and two, what are you doing to the property before you're then offering it for a, a lease, a lease option? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, one, yes, the, the, there's tons of distressed properties out there still. You just need to know where to uh, where to look or spend a little bit of money on marketing. Um, in even in hot markets, there's always going to be deals out there. You just got to know where to find them. And when we're buying properties, that is our, our number one criteria. Number two is, is will the property cash flow? So, you know, cash flow is pretty simple. The, the money we collect every month um, in rent, less our expenses, is there going to be roughly $350 per month? That's our target per, per door, per property. Um, a lot of times we can beat that, but that's our kind of our bare minimum to say, yeah, we like this property. Um, and... For lease options, we also like to have properties that um, just need basically cosmetic repairs. So, um, if we were going to contract the workout, we shoot for anywhere between ten to fifteen thousand dollars in repairs or less. Um, and the great thing about lease options that we haven't mentioned yet is that um, we can leave a lot of those cosmetic repairs and sometimes some of the some of the major items to the tenant buyer as well. So we've also kind of skipped the whole project management aspect, overseeing contractors aspect of traditional real estate investing. Interesting. So you will find these properties, typically cosmetic rehab, and would you go in and do what's sort of necessarily, maybe maybe like the HVAC systems and something more of the heavy lifting? Exactly, exactly. Anything that, um, any of the major systems that are going to be too much for your average person to take on will we'll handle. So yeah, HVAC systems, um, repairing plumbing lines, updating electrical panel. Um, but occasionally we do get, you know, 
tradesmen, contractors, handymen that that are, that that can handle that kind of stuff and, and aren't intimidated by it. Um, but you know, anything that's going to be really a major um, outlay of capital, you know, paint is cheap, um, flooring's pretty cheap, and and most people know how to how to install those. Uh, flooring or, or, or paint a house. It's, it's basically anything you can't learn to do on YouTube. Well, <laughs> well pretty much go do it. <laughs> or down at Home Depot once you're flirting with the girl at the front desk, right? <laughs> exactly. Those, those Sheilas at the Home Sheilas. Depot, you know, they're crazy. <laughs> Um, what, what I wanted to ask is, is with the whole structuring of, you, you mentioned $350 a month. So talk to me about what, what, what value of property you're buying to generate that and what types of the rents and just maybe walk through the numbers a little bit more on, on sort of, you know, in an Excel spreadsheet that you do to analyze the properties to say, yeah, this make this check, uh, checks off all the criteria. Let's, let's put in an offer. And I think, you know, most of your audience is international. So I, I think it's kind of important for them to understand when you say like investing in the United States, like there's a big difference between investing on the West Coast or the East Coast and investing in the Midwest or, you know, what you might call the Rust Belt. Uh, we're picking up houses at $30,000 that'll rent at seven to $800 a month. And they're good, solid houses that were built in the 70s. It's just uh, they've been well kept. It's just they haven't appreciated. Interesting. So, so you said, so it's about thirty thousand dollars a door. You, are you putting in then? You said ten to fifteen thousand dollars on top of that. So you're all in for about fifty k. Would that be right? Yeah, and I mean we buy from what our range is thirty to seventy thousand. Yeah, is our is our bread and butter. We've bought it as as cheap as probably ten or fifteen thousand dollars a few right. times a year. Right. And, but and I you, don't. I don't think the. Um, you know, once you start getting into six figures, it's really hard to start squeezing out the cash flow. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. There would be a certain limit or, or upper threshold that you couldn't then, it wouldn't just wouldn't make sense. And and it's surprising to hear that. So you're not, um, these these uh, the vintage of these properties are what, b- built before 1970s or built around the 1970s or are they built most, earlier? Most are, yeah, late 40s to, to um, late 70s. We've got a few that, that might be newer than that, but that's, the typical range. Nice. And so you're saying uh, 800 bucks a month, then what are you minusing uh, out of that for your quote unquote expenses that you're sort of this, you're still the landlord, right? But you're trying to put a lot of the maintenance back onto the tenant. So walk us through the typical expenses or the, the line items that you'll be paying out of that 800 bucks each and every month. Yeah. So St. Louis, another great thing about it is real estate taxes are relatively cheap. Um, so we typically budget, um, roughly 150 to $200 per month per door for taxes, um, hazard insurance and our, um, MSD, uh, utility, which is our, our sewer district. That's the only thing that we can't pass on to the tenant. So between those three, uh, just our rule of thumb is about 200 bucks a month. Really for taxes, insurance and sewer. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's that's. that's and then the interest to the private lender. Right. 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 So then, yeah, then that's you probably bring up a great point, Jimmy. Is so you've okay. I've got my cash flow. So eight hundred bucks minus say two hundred, maybe three hundred bucks in, um, also two hundred dollars in in insurance, taxes, and water. What else are you having to pay out of pocket out of that eight hundred bucks? Just interest to the private lender. Interest to the private lender. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And. Uh, it's perfect. This is this is awesome. I'm just writing a bunch of notes down. So now talk. Let's talk about the 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 the, the lease options side of it. Um, you, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that 
the, the, the tenants are more motivated to make sure they get into a home. They may have bad credit, I, I would imagine. So they're putting down, you know, five five percent. What is then? What else are they paying you besides this eight hundred dollars? Is there any upcharge in that quote unquote rent? So they're sort of you're making money on top of the the lease because you know, like like if I went to a bank and I said, hey bank, I want to borrow eighty thousand dollars to buy this property. I'm going to have to pay them, you know, the principal of it, and I'm going to have to pay interest on on top of that. So, do you add or, or, or add anything to the rent to cover that, you know, interest payment for the first two years that you've uh, you've engaged with them for the lease option? Yeah, no, but but I will say that you know when we when we do the lease option, we're, we are targeting a very motivated sector of the market, um, and there's there's huge demand for rent-owned properties in most areas of the states. And when we when we put out a house on a lease option, um, we have so much interest on it between calls, uh, website hits, and we typically get multiple um, showings and multiple applications uh, within the first couple of weeks of putting a house on the market. And and there's really um, very little relative competition. Um, there's not a lot of other homes being offered out there on a rent to own. So um, we can typically get. Uh, above market rent, um, when when we when we have such you know overwhelming interest, we kind of make it a little bit of a negotiation, and we say, hey, you know, we've got two other applications on this house this week. What is the most you can come up with for the down payment? What is the most you can afford monthly? So um, sometimes we are able to push above what uh, what what the market can bear, so to speak, on a typical rental. And then in the states, eighty percent of the market cannot get conventional financing. So, but they still are, have good jobs. They still have cash sitting around. Maybe they, you know, messed up on a a cell phone bill or a medical bill. So they're still, you know, they should be able to qualify for loans, but they're not, but they can't. So they love this option. And Mm -hmm. if, if you're a tradesman and you buy retail after the rehab's been done, there's no way to save a few bucks by leveraging your skills. And then if you're a regular tenant and you're a contractor, you have no motivation to leverage your skills. <laughs> yeah, you'll be true. Uh, talk to me about the process of, you've engaged with the lease option, they've got two years to pay it off. What happens at the end of the two years? Do they pay you the agreed upon um, amount for the property? And uh, in the best case scenario, they do. But if they're a good tenant and, you know, and we've vetted them for two years that they're going to pay on time. We'll generally owner finance them at that point. Interesting. Okay. So we'll step in and become the bank and we'll still work with them to fix their credit. But, you know, we're not going to be like, uh, you know, you haven't done it in two years. You know, we're going to take your non-refundable deposit. Get out of here. Right, 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 right. So the, even after those two-year period, you're still thinking that these tenants uh, may not have got back, quote unquote, on on their feet again, but they've, they've demonstrated to you guys that they're, they're, they're good, solid tenants and they want to keep paying. So what is the sort of conversion rate of, of you know, out of all the properties that you do, that someone actually executes on a... Uh, on the on the contract, uh, the le- the option to buy with a conventional bank, like is it a large percentage or is it a small percentage? Ten percent. Oh wow. Okay. And is your is your business plan to try and keep them, you know, ticking over for another two years? So they get to the end of the first two years and they say, Hey Jimmy, Hey Bob, I you know 
I love the place. I don't want to move. I don't. I can't get that conventional financing. You then flip it over into your personal financing or, or lender owner financing, and then they continue uh, renting from you for another couple of years until they execute on the property. Or what's that sort of second yeah. stage well, period look like? Once they owner finance it to us, it's their house. Got you it. know, they're on title, and yep. uh, we'll keep collecting the cash flow. We're cash flow investors, but there's also a secondary market that'll buy those notes. Got it. Yep. Yep. No, it makes 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 some complete sense. It sounds like you guys are doing some awesome stuff. So do they, at that point when they do the, the owner financing, are they then coming to the table with another 20% down or they're using that three to 5% they put down originally as collateral towards the, uh, the down payment that you, when you guys become the bank? We, we like to get them up to 10%. Just, we let them know that makes us feel safer. Yep. So it's a little bit, another 5% on top of whatever, or whatever they're paid, right? Right, exactly. but that original five counts. Yeah, towards. exactly. Sure, 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 sure. And what sort of percentages, uh, interest rates are you charging once you hit those um, owner financing you know, years? So what we like to do is we like to structure their payment uh, with, with PITI, principal interest, tax and insurance, to be equivalent to what the market rent for is going to be for a house. Um, and when you when you actually work that all backwards and, and break it down, it's roughly ten and a half percent interest. Wow. Okay. So it's high, but you're saying it, it matches the the the, the eight hundred bucks that they're paying anyway, right? Yeah. And and the theory is, hey, if if someone's going to rent this house for eight hundred bucks per per month, would they would they rather own that same house for eight hundred dollars per month? And, and and most people, that's going to be a, a definite yes. And it is high, but is it now a tax deduction for them? Exactly. No, that makes that makes that makes a lot of sense. Uh, one thing I was just thinking about from a business point of view, I'm just I'm just you know spitballing here with you guys is, uh, do you ever offer like a secondary? Um, you once they, you got them in the house to those people who may not be the handyman or the tradesman to do the work and offer them, you know, like, you know, a GC, your GC company to come in and do the tiling or, you know, paint the wall a particular color once they've got that in that lease to own, you know, first part of the contract? Yeah, so so the, the another great benefit when we start out and kind of say, hey, the house is relatively as is and it needs this cosmetic work, is instead of us going into a house right when we buy it and, and spending whatever, 10, 15, $20,000 immediately, we walk a, a bunch of people through the house and then we let them tell us what they want to get done. So, for example, someone walks through a house and, and they're okay with, with everything, but yeah, they say, oh, I, you know, I, I would like it painted or I would like some carpet or some new light fixtures. Then we have the option to spend that money once we know we've got somebody lined up and we've got a commitment from them. So that way, you know, we're only spending money that is absolutely necessary to be spent to, to get the deal done versus just go go ahead and doing a, a full, complete rehab on a house. Right. And is that a, a secondary business model for you guys? Are you making, you know, a, a GC fee on that or just you doing it at cost? No, we just do it at cost. Yeah, just for a, just for a service. Yeah. Awesome. And so tell me a little bit more about the... You know, the, the, we talk about management as a liability and all that sort of stuff. So, is have you just completely mitigated your liability in terms of the management role that you play with all your deals, or are there still sort of headaches that you find that you run across with these lease options? Um, you know, it, it's not a hundred percent hands off, and in, in our opinions, there, there's really no such thing as, as truly, truly passive income. You're always going to have a little bit of oversight and a little bit of management. 
Um, and and although we've explained, hey, this is is a rent own and it is your house, you're responsible for everything. Occasionally, people do get in, into trouble and, and they can't handle um, something major that comes out down the line. And so basically, um, if, if there is a repair item that comes up that the tenant buyer can't handle, um, we at least make it a conversation and we say, you know, how much of it can you handle? Can you cover 50% of the repairs? Um, and it also depends on what kind of you know, item it, it is. Is it, is it something that's going to really affect the value of the house down the line? Is it, you know, a water leak or, or something with the roof going on um, that could rapidly turn into a major issue? In those kind of scenarios, we'll, we'll occasionally step in, especially if the, the tenants demonstrated that they've, they, they've, you know, they're trying, they're making an effort, and they're willing to contribute something towards it. Um, you know, but but overall, we've we've at least kind of spread spread out the liability, you know, between both parties versus completely being on our shoulders as the landlord. And it's a different conversation uh, between you're contractually obligated to do the maintenance and repairs, and hey, this is we're trying to create win wins for both parties. Let's talk about doing a repair. It's a completely different conversation. Sure. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how you're finding these people, you know, or just maybe the process of, of the whole, you know, from from go to woe in terms of you found the prop. Well, how do you find the property? One, and then two, how are you finding your tenant to match it up? And I, I'm sure there'll be sort of like two, you know, cogs in a, in a machine going at once, right? You got to find those tenants and, and lease option people, but you also got to find the deals to, to, to connect them with, right? Yeah, correct. So for finding properties, I'd say about 70% of our deals come uh, from the MLS, properties listed on the multiple listing service that, that you know pretty much anybody has access to. Um, and we've got you know our, our neighborhoods that we like to buy in, and we know what price we need to pay in, in there, and what kind of rents we can generate for those specific properties. And we basically get a, a daily feed, and, and you know that's kind of part of our routine is going through those properties and, and seeing which ones you know look good and and making offers. And we just make a lot of offers and, and hope to get you know a certain percentage of those accepted. Um, and then for the the remaining 30%, I'd say it's a combination of um, other wholesalers uh, tying up good deals under contract and then bringing to them to us because uh, they know we're cash buyers and we can close pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, and then as far as finding tenant buyers, uh, it, it's actually relatively simple, you know, because we, we are targeting that 80% of the buyer's pool that pretty much nobody else is talking to. You know, if you go to, uh, to most real estate agents and tell, tell them you want to do a lease option or rent to own, they're, they're not going to give you the time of day. Um, so when we publicly advertise that our homes are available on a rent to own or lease option or owner financing, um, you know, it's pretty easy to get the phone ringing, but um, more specifically, we, you know, we put that properties on Craigslist. We do uh, V Flyer, which is a syndication site, so um, you can post the ad once on their website, and it shoots it out to, to 30 different real estate websites like Zillow, Trulia, Yahoo Real Estate, uh, and then the last thing we've been doing for um, about the past year or so that's been working really well is putting properties on Facebook. And so, um, you know, the great thing about Facebook is you can um, really highly target uh, the people you're trying to reach. So we basically exclude anybody who um, has anything to do with the real estate industry, um, you know, real estate agents, investors. And then um, we can also um, add in there a, uh, there's a there's a behavior in Facebook you can target called likely to move. 
Um, and so basically they figured out who's, who's kind of searching for homes um, online and, and that obviously flags them as, you know, if they're looking for homes relatively recently, you know, they're most likely uh, going to move pretty soon. So um, we just basically plug in an address, 123 Main Street, and we can, you know, draw a radius around that of, you know, three, four, five miles um, and, and, and highly target those people who live around the house that we have uh, up, up for a lease option. Nice. And you're talking about Facebook advertising, correct? Correct. Yep. Yep. No, it's a very powerful platform. It sounds like you guys are all across the social media and online marketing. It sounds like there is a, um, you know, a slew of people out there would be buying these sort of cheap houses right now. And that sort of leads me into my segue into another question is, how are you competing, you know, where we are in 2017 right now? Um, and, you know, back in 2012, when I first moved to this country, you know, I bought my first $50,000 property. I bought a couple of them and then, you know, graduated into multifamily pretty quickly. But how's the, the, what's it like out there, boots on the ground now with those cheaper properties? Uh, was there any, have there been any price increases? Is there more competition um, of, of the, the offers you're making? You know, how, much, how many are sticking? Uh, there definitely has been um, an increase in competition. You know, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, people watching Flip This House and all those <laughs> type of shows are, are popular again. And there's been enough distance since the last real estate crash that, you know, a lot of the newbies have come out of the, the woodwork. Um, and but, every, everybody in St. Louis is a wholesaler. So <laughs> yeah. I would say that competition is the worst amongst the wholesalers. Right, right. Yep, that's why I completely skipped that that level altogether. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of sitting on the sideline and kind of like, oh, you need to you need to get rid of that property. Well, you know, here's our price. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so you're saying that it has been a little bit more increase in in competition, but in general, you guys are uh, uh, you know floating to the top as as a you know reputable company to work with, correct? Exactly. Yeah, and there's and there's still plenty of the deals out there to buy, you know, St. Louis is not nearly as hot as some of the, you know, the coast, New York or, mm -hmm. or California. So or like Denver where, you know, we're, we're at that conference. Exactly. You know, like yeah. Are crazy. No, no, it's, it's, uh, and it's so, it's so incredible. That's why I put this podcast on is that, you know, the, I, I sort of scoff at people when they talk about the, the U S housing market in general, because there's 400 MSA multiple statistical areas in the United States. And within those MSAs, there's sub markets within those sub markets is there's, you know, North, South, East, West. And, you know, it, you know, and within those streets and sub markets, there's a good side and a bad side. So there's just always opportunities out there. You just got to know how to find them and, and where to look. Um, so guys, what does the future hold for joint op properties right now? And, um, and what can we expect out of you guys in the future? Uh, more of the same. <laughs> <laughs> we, we feel like we've got a, a pretty good system clicking along and we're just kind of tightening up our systems and, and expanding our reach. Um, our model works, works very well. Um, I guess turnkey, got... I guess, you know, we've been doing it for a while, but what we're doing is kind of getting out there. So we have, a we are selling a lot more turnkey to right. uh, other investors. Right, right, right. In, you know, okay, out-of-state investors who want to do the just own the property and, and rent for cash flow, right? Right. Right, right. And talk a little bit about, I didn't touch on it, how you interface with a lease option and, a, say, a third-party investor who comes to you and says, hey, I want to get involved in these lease option things. Is, the, is that a program you do or is it more um, you just do it with your own capital? No, we, uh, we do 
we haven't talked to a bank in like six or seven months. We do everything with uh, private lenders. Right. Love it. Love it. All right, guys. Well, you know, we're getting towards the end of the show. I want to be uh, conscious of your time. As always, I like to get the top five investing tips from you guys. You ready to dive into it? Do it. All right, boys. What is the daily habit that both you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Um, thing I'm really high on right now is Wim Hofing. <laughs> what's, what's that? <laughs> you haven't heard of Wim Hof? No, I must be living under a rock, but explain. The Iceman? Oh, 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 okay. What, you He's get, been like all over Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan. Right, right. Uh, so we're both big fans of, uh, of cold water uh, immersion, basically. Taking, so, either taking cold showers. Or... I, I kept my pool open all winter. And so I, I jump in it for 10 minutes a day. Wow. And you know, your brain is on fire the rest of the day. It's awesome. You don't need coffee, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Yep, yep. What about you, Bob? Um, yeah, I, I do some cold showers and also uh, meditation. That's kind of been my, uh, my daily habit for uh, probably going on two years now what sort of meditation do you do um you know i just listen to uh to, to like a guided meditation typically 10 15 20 minutes um you know bounce around between various uh various people nothing too crazy it's not like you know transcendental meditation or anything like that just taking a few minutes after i wake up to kind of practice focusing and, and quieting my mind that's awesome. If you have, uh, I'm I'm just getting involved in, in a little bit of meditation because it's you know, as you know, being an entrepreneur, you, you you tend to wake up and you know the first thing you do is grab your phone or you grab your computer and you're looking at emails and blah blah blah, and taking a bit of time out of the, the first part of the day just to, for yourself and to relax your mind a little bit. So um, any any particular tapes or or you know websites you recommend? Um, I'm a big fan of uh, some of the stuff Mind Valley puts out, um, and they've got a, a bunch of different um, uh, programs and kind of gurus that, that they publish within there. So, um, you know, they're a good overall overarching company to check out, and then you can kind of just within their courses find some people that, that buy with you. I like Burt Goldman, um, he's been called like the American monk. But, uh, <laughs> so, you still sleep with your phone near your bed, Reed? I try. I, look, I try not to, but it's. Uh, I, I bought this alarm clock that's supposed to vibrate, but you got to plug it into your computer, and so the computer's next to my bed. So it's just like this is just defeats the purpose, right? <laughs> I that was a habit I broke. Like when I, my phone's not allowed like in the bedroom. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, I think I need to do. I think I need to change that. I'm gonna. Uh, start implementing more ice baths and uh, and uh, do some more meditation and get the phone, kick the phone out of the room. Uh, have you heard of that? Is it? Uh, and I might I might stuff this pronunciation up, but is it a cryo tank um, where you? Yeah. yeah, is that the same thing? Um, it's expensive. Yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> I think they use like um, what uh, liquid nitrogen to kind of hyper cool the uh the area and the surface of the skin i mean i've heard good things i tried it once and you definitely feel that rush afterwards for right, sure right right uh, awesome well I, I love getting into this sort of stuff because this is what makes entrepreneurs tick right you know your daily habit of every single morning to make you successful so it's and you got the pacific right by you it's cold all year round just jump in that every <laughs> yeah, i'm about 10 minutes away from the beach but uh i will be i will be doing I, i'm a i'm a beach bum so i i'll get down there a little bit more often uh, guys, what is who is the most influential person in your careers to date? 
Hmm, I'd say from uh, from a lease option perspective, probably Ron Legrand. He's kind of the uh, like the granddaddy of real estate investing. Been around a guru since like the 1980s, and and we take a lot of our, our real estate investing philosophy from him. Yeah, Ron Legrand or Mitch Steven. He yeah. kind of taught us owner financing. Mitch Stevens. Okay, cool. Nice stuff. If they're listening. He's a fun interview. You should try to have him on your show. I will. I will try and get him on here. Uh, Who is the most, what is the most influential tool in your business? I'm sure with all the online marketing and the the processes you guys have set up, you know, from jumping in the pool to, you know, making sure your guys are connecting with the right buyers, lease buyers. uh, What is it? What's what's the most influential tool in your business and why? I'd say lately uh, it's, it's a software called Livecom. Um, and, uh, this is actually, a, a, a tool Mitch Steven came up with, and it's basically a text blast service. Um, but the, the main differentiator is, is that it, it texts people over the email network instead of the cell network. So, um, each phone number has tied with it, um, a corresponding email address. So if you email, um, your phone number at whatever your provider is, so, so my phone number at Sprint dot com or you know your phone number at at dot com um, if that if you send an email to that email address it will actually show up just like a text um, and texts have much higher open rates um, everybody pretty much opens text and um, you can kind of get in front of your audience a lot easier so um, since starting the the lease option business um, you know a little over two two and a half years ago um, we've built up uh, probably a list of about 15,000 phone numbers uh, and, and we're texting them, you know, every week with, with new properties uh, and that just, you know, stays top of mind and it's very easy to, uh, to generate a lot of interest uh, when we do that. Jimmy, same thing. Uh, I'm going to go with self-directed life insurance. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I handle the money for the company or like finding the financing yep. and, you know, you talked to the cash flow ninja on your show a few weeks ago. That was sure a great did. interview. Sure but did. that strategy is—it's awesome. I, heard, I actually heard you on their show and uh, talking a little bit about how you place your property taxes right into those um, life insurance, self-directed life insurance policies. Correct. Correct. I, it's just a way to to maximize the velocity of your money. It's a nice. great. Nice, nice, nice stuff. Uh, if anyone is listening, do go back and check out MC Laubsch's show. I think it was around episode number 60 or something like that. But uh, great, great cracking show about uh, self-directed insur- life insurance. Uh, guys, you know, I used to ask people about the successes of the, or the best deal that they've done. But, you know, successes are all good and it's lovely to hear the, the success stories. But it's actually the, I believe it's the failures that make us, you know, who we are and the entrepreneurs that we're growing into or growing to become. So what has been the biggest failure in your business it doesn't have to be specifically about you know lease option business it could have been something else that you've learned a lot from that has now you know shaped you into the person or the, the entrepreneur you are today our bookkeeping was absolute garbage until about <laughs> six months ago yeah like every one of my goals like every month was like fix the books fix the books and we just we could not do it until we hired the right team member yep yep i think that is but was, I think I think every business owner, no one is like, yes, I get to do the books. No one ever thinks that. <laughs> but it was so so humbling. Like we were at a hundred properties, and like we're good at this, and and we're like, why can't we master simple arithmetic? Right, right. No, and I think it's also the fact that it's carving time out of your day. And, and what I've no, what I've learned a lot is just being able to delegate. You know, I know as I'm sure you guys are like myself, where 
this is your baby, right? This is your business. It's your, you're the entrepreneurs. You don't want to relinquish any sort of control. Uh, and I think the first step is getting a bookkeeper. Um, and it's also breaking that mindset to say, well, I need some employees that, you know, just can take on those, you know, mundane tasks and making sure that someone's checking the numbers because, you know, I'm too busy chasing down the new, the next private lender or the next lead or the next, you know, I'm looking, I'm going to a, a property showing and that, that just consumes a bunch of your time that you can't really carve out to do, you know, the bookkeeping, which is, you know, a pretty, you know, honestly, I don't like it, but I get someone to do my bookkeeping, and it's and since I changed that mindset, it's been incredible. Um, I don't know if you had any comments on that. I think uh, I think you read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and then you get your spreadsheet, and you know your spreadsheet for your first few deals. That's like your uh, your uh, it's what keeps you going. You know, you have a bad day, but you're like, oh, my spreadsheet says this will be there at the end, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like to. You clutch so hard to that spreadsheet that's going to give you financial freedom. And then you, if you're doing it yourself, you're going to lie to yourself while you're doing the nah, books. Yep. So there's a moral hazard there. But then to give the, your dream of your spreadsheet to somebody else, it's like, you know, it's like giving away your firstborn. <laughs> so I, yeah. I think that's part of it. Yeah, exactly. No, I think you're right. I think it's completely... You, you, you tend to, oh, this is going to work, this is going to work, this is going to work, this is going to work because it builds it up so much. And you're right, you, you're not you're not that you're cooking the books, but you're changing it. Oh, if I just tweak this thing here and I and I just do that just over there, I, I don't put, you know, I'm not going to do that maintenance, that deferred maintenance. Uh, yeah, no, it looks good, looks good. Uh, but yeah, then yeah. <laughs> in reality, when you actually do it, you're like, no, this is crap and I'm negative right now. So uh, they, can't, they can't lie to you. <laughs> yeah, you have a third party... When the bookkeeper's there, it's a third party saying, hey, uh, you might want to tweak this. Exactly. Guys, um, this has been an awesome, incredible interview. Where can people reach you to continue the conversation? Um, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Join Ops Properties. And then uh, check out our website at joinopsproperties.com. And then uh, I love bullshitting with people about this <laughs> stuff. So We also have a, a podcast called Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast. I keep forgetting about Entrepreneur Drinks yeah. Podcast. <laughs> We'll have to have you on that one. Yeah, let's do it. I, I saw that launch. Congratulations, guys, on the on the launch of that. I saw that all over Facebook. I'd love to get on there and let's have a few drinks. You know, um, it's a lot of work. We have to actually record us like sitting and drinking, but you know, <laughs> it's all for the love of the game, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, guys, this has been awesome. I just want to quickly recap on some of the stuff that I learned, or what I took away from today's show, was that the, ba- the power of just sort of maybe changing the mindset of renters out there and the, the the model of buying and investing in single family properties and transferring that mindset of ownership to the renter. Uh, I think that's very, very important. Uh, getting creative with the way that you're implementing your rehab strategies. I think that's also was a really big t- uh, takeaway piece of advice. And, you know, you can also walk the property with someone who is then, you know, you know, invested emotionally because you're saying, okay, we're going to paint this wall pink or purple or whatever the hell you're going to paint it. Um, but that gives the person a little bit more ownership and pride of ownership. So they're going to take uh, better care of it. Uh, and, and the last thing I, I took away was, you know, just understanding you guys as, as entrepreneurs, I think it's really awesome. And, and what I get a big kick out of when I interview people like yourself is what makes you tick uh, and, and, you know, the story behind um, the, the, the joint ops crew, as I like to say. And, uh, and, and I'm glad to hear that you've uh, outsourced the bookkeeping because it's a, a first step in the right direction towards building an, <laughs> building an empire. So, so did, did I leave anything out? That was great. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so, so much for dropping by. Have a great rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Yeah, All right. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks. 
All right, guys, if you do like this show, remember to jump on my website. All the show notes will be up there at rsmpropertygroup.com. Remember, if you do have any comments or reviews, please jump on iTunes. Uh, it's a great way to show iTunes that we're creating an incredible community here at Investing in the US. Remember, we're going to do this all again next week. So take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. Happy investing.